listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Disclaimer. This holiday episode contains some descriptions of violence, and while non-graphic, they may not be suitable for small children. Please read the show notes to determine how much holiday cheer your child is ready for. Well, listeners, it's that time of year again. Only a few more days until Santa Claus comes to bring presents to all the good children, and Krampus comes to beat all the naughty children with sticks, put them in a basket, and take them away to the Black Forest, Hell, or Spain, depending on where your particular Krampus is from. But, let's be honest, you know about Krampus. Krampus has been the IT monster for a few years. Likewise, Father Whipper, Hans Trapp, and the Belschnickel, some of the other anti-Santas, are all starting to rise in popularity. Pop culture demands that Santa have a dark side, and what better way than if he is accompanied by terrifying men who beat children? It's the ultimate good cop, bad cop way to trick children into being good. Oh, and don't even get me started on the elf on the shelf. More like baby's first surveillance state on a shelf. Christmas has better monsters. And I say we bring them back into the spotlight. So, to celebrate the holidays, let's meet a cat that is seriously judging your fashion choices, a good witch and a bad witch, an ogress who's been unfairly slandered in recent media, and I will recommend a good monster-themed book for Hanukkah. Our first monster is the Icelandic Yule Cat, Yola Kuterin. This festive monster is often described as a huge and vicious cat that roams the countryside during the Christmas season to catch and eat anyone who hasn't received any new clothing to wear before Christmas Eve. And no, I don't think this cat would buy that the clothing is new to you. While there are no modern-day wild big cats in Iceland, the origins of the Yule Cat may tie back to the saber-tooth cats. The saber-tooth cat species, Homotherium latidens, lived along humans in Europe as recently as 300,000 years ago, and possibly even more recently. It is well within the realm of possibility that some of these cats could have made it to Iceland and become a small population. Interestingly, unlike the iconic saber-toothed Smilodon, Homotherium is considered a scimitar-toothed saber-tooth, meaning its teeth were shorter, flatter, and coarsely serrated. So, for our intents and purposes, Picture the Yule Cat as a cat a little over 3 feet at the shoulder, weighing over 400 pounds, with 4-inch long serrated knives for teeth, and the sensibilities of Tim Gunn. The reason this cat is so judgy is tied to the Icelandic tradition, where those that finish all their work on time receive new clothes for Christmas, and those who are lazy do not. Farmers use the promise of new clothing to incentivize their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. Primarily, the Yule Cat has been used to encourage children to work hard and do their chores, but nowhere have I found that the Yule Cat doesn't also eat adults without new clothing. So, maybe this year instead of a Christmas bonus, ask your boss for some new socks. Moving on, we're going to visit a pair of witches, Frau Birchta and La Befana, from the Upper Germanic regions and Italy respectively, who celebrate Christmas in very different ways. Frau Birchta is a figure that predates Christianity and was once a pagan goddess of the Upper Germanic region of the Alps. The meaning of her name may be either Bright One, which is related to the name Birchtentag, or Feast of the Epiphany, or alternatively, Pergen, which means hidden. She is described as either beautiful or elderly and haggard, 
but interestingly is often depicted in both forms with one large foot, called a swan or a goose foot, which may hint that she has shape-shifting abilities. Frau Birchta or Frau Perchta can be found in Germany, Switzerland, Austria, and the Alsace region of France. She typically visits homes during the 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany and makes sure households uphold cultural taboos, such as not spinning during the holidays and not eating anything other than fish and gruel on the night of her feast day. She also, like Santa Claus, rewards good children and punishes naughty children. Except her punishments are way worse than coal, and again, not exclusive to children. If you have been a good child all year, finished all your spinning before the holidays, and eaten fish and gruel on Frau Birchstow's feast day, then on the twelfth night of Christmas, this holiday witch will leave a small silver coin in your pail or shoe for you to find the next morning. However, the real present isn't the coin, really. It's waking up the next morning. You see, if you have been a bad child, or didn't finish your spinning, or didn't eat the fish and gruel, then on the twelfth night of Christmas, Frau Birchta will visit your bedroom, slit you open, remove your stomach and intestines, and stuff your body full of straw and rocks. Which she presumably does while you are still alive. I don't know why this punishment is so specific, and frankly, I don't really want to know where it originated from. The last thing you might like to know about Frau Perchta is that she has quite a following. Perchten, the plural for Perchta, is the name of an entourage of animals and beasts that follow Perchta around, and is also the name given to animal masks worn in parades and festivals in Austria during the twelve days of Christmas. There are both beautiful Perchten, which are said to bring luck and financial windfall, and ugly Perchten, with horns, fangs, tusks, and horse tails, which are used to scare away demons and ghosts, as if Frau Perchta herself wasn't scary enough to drive away demons and ghosts. This tradition is still celebrated in some regions of Austria to this day. I personally would much rather be visited by La Bufana, the Christmas witch of Italy. La Bufana is a figure that visits around Epiphany and may be descended from the Roman goddess Strina, the goddess of New Year, well-being, and purification. La Bifana is typically depicted as an old woman with a black shawl who is covered in soot and always carrying a broom, whether she's riding it or not. She arrives on the eve of Epiphany to leave presents for good children, and also bad ones. She enters the house through the chimney, and making sure everyone is asleep, she leaves presents and candy in the shoes of good children, and coal and dark candy in the shoes of bad children. I have no idea what dark candy is, but it definitely sounds better than being eviscerated. After all the children's shoes are full, she will sweep the floors with her broom and back up the chimney she goes. Traditionally, instead of a glass of milk and cookies, a family will leave a small glass of wine and a plate with a few morsels of regional food out for La Bifana. Which seems fair to me. I don't see Santa doing any sweeping. Don't try to stay up and catch La Bifana, though as it is also traditional that anyone who tries to see La Bifana will get thumped with her broomstick, as this Christmas witch doesn't like being seen. Like any nanny, La Bifana is apparently not afraid to give you a good thumping. La Bifana is still celebrated in modern days, and on Epiphany Eve, many children will receive a lump of rock candy decorated to look like coal. Apparently, this is because every child has been at least occasionally bad during the year. Which, kinda harsh, but hey, still candy. Our last creature, but not last feature, of this episode is Gryla, the holiday giantess who lives in the mountains of Iceland. 
This starlet received some notoriety in 2010 when an Onion article blamed her for the volcanic eruptions in Iceland. This, of course, is hardly fair. After all, this giantess doesn't deal in volcanoes, she deals in eating children. Gryla is a very old Icelandic monster who just recently broke onto the Christmas scene. Gryla, who is either described as a giantess or an ogress, is mentioned in Snorri Storlson's Ida in the 13th century and doesn't become associated with Christmas until the 17th century, where she becomes the mother of the Yule Lads, the Christmas pranksters associated with the last 13 nights before Christmas. From then on, though, she seems to have embraced putting a holiday spin on her way of life, even going so far as to have the aforementioned Yule Cat as her house pet. Now, instead of eating children year-round, Gryla can detect when a child misbehaves at any point of the year, writes it down, and then sets off from the mountains during Christmas time to catch all the naughty children and make them into naughty child stew, which is apparently her favorite food. Icelandic parents throughout the ages then proceed to throw major shade, as all of the stories cannot stress enough that Gryla never has any shortage of food. Lastly, I wanted to do some Hanukkah monsters, but I couldn't seem to find any. This is likely my own fault, as my primary background is with Christmas. What I did find, however, is a delightful story called Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins, which I highly recommend. This story is about a Jewish folk hero named Herschel who saves Hanukkah from a band of goblins who have taken over a local temple. It's a great read for children, and it's interesting to see monsters oppose a holiday, as traditional Christmas monsters seem all too happy to help celebrate Christmas, even if that's mostly by punishing children. That wraps up our holiday episode. I promise I'll be doing more science in the future, and I've got a science-heavy one coming up. But until then, I hope you enjoyed getting to know a few great holiday monsters. If you're curious about any of these stories, check out the show notes to find out more. Intro music is by Scott Effington. Lastly, if you like what you heard, the best present we could receive is a rate and review on iTunes. I know not a lot of people have extra cash lying around during the holidays, but a rate and review costs nothing and would really, really help our podcast. Rating and reviewing means our podcast gets noticed. That would be pretty cool. But most of all, I just love to know that people out there are listening, and that they enjoy the show. It really makes it all worthwhile. Happy holidays, and remember, no matter what they celebrate, anyone can be a monster.